Hey there, it's Dr. Gary Parrish. It's Friday, January 18, 2019. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me, and it's been a, a fun few days since we last recorded on Tuesday morning. Ole Miss and North Carolina State both lost to unranked opponents, and Ole Miss did it at home. Iowa State won at Texas Tech. Kansas State won at Oklahoma. So now everybody in the Big 12 has at least one loss. And now, once again, Kansas is projected by Ken Palm to win the league outright. Surprise, surprise. And before we get into what's on tap for this weekend, I, I do want to spend just a, a few minutes on what Kansas State has done over the past nine days because I really do think it's the best week-to-week season flip in the nation. Check this out. So Kansas State goes to the Elite Eight last season, brings back some good pieces, is ranked 12th in the preseason AP poll, 11th in the preseason coaches poll, and then the Wildcats start 6-2 and two with no good wins and a double-digit loss to Marquette and a 47-46 loss at Tulsa. So now they're unranked, right? Uh, then they enter Big 12 play with a 10-2 and two record, but still no good wins on the resume. Then Kansas State loses the Big 12 opener to Texas, then loses to Texas Tech. So now 0-2 in the league, and then last Wednesday night, they're down 18 points at home to West Virginia. Obviously on the verge of dropping to 0-3 with games at Iowa State and at Oklahoma on deck. In other words, 0-5 in the Big 12 is starting to look very possible, if not probable. But then they erased that 18-point deficit. Last Wednesday, they beat West Virginia. Then they go and win at Iowa State over the weekend. And then on this Wednesday night, the one that just happened, Kansas State wins at Oklahoma. So instead of being 10-7 and overall, 0-5 in the Big 12, Kansas State is currently 13-4 and overall, 3-2 and in the Big 12 because Kansas State overcame that 18-point deficit to beat West Virginia, then won two road games as an underdog. That's how you flip a season, Norlander. Shouts to Bruce Weber. Shouts to Dean Wade. Shouts to Jacob Pullen. Yeah, shouts to Rodney Magruder as well. Um, <laughs> Kansas State is 37th uh, in the net as we record this podcast. Two and two in quad one opportunities. Is a lot to a lot of work to be done. One and two in, in quad two and hasn't taken a bad loss yet this season. Dean Wade's return is unquestionably extremely important. And I would even argue that in watching some of what K-State's done, uh, he's important, but you have you know, we have not seen the best of him or the best of this team to come Um I, I get the feeling that one K-State will be better than it was last season in terms of uh, the seeding. I think it'll wind up with better than a nine. But I do think that because of the Big 12 being somewhat interchangeable, um, like I don't think Kansas State is going to compete for the top of the league table. I, I, I don't think anyone really is expecting that. But let's just say K-State winds up uh, you know, going – 10 and 8 in the league or something like that. Maybe even 11 and 7. Let's go optimistic. Um, I still think it's going to enter Selection Sunday in the NCAA tournament as um, afterthought sounds harsh, but unfortunately there are certain programs that unless they have superstars or are in the midst of amazing seasons do not get the kind of publicity and credit they deserve. And I would I would put Kansas State in that kind of category with a number of other ones. I mean, I would say, you know, if Oregon State had a season in which it went 26-9 and nine or whatever, it just wouldn't get a lot of recognition because it's Oregon State. I feel like Kansas State and the job that Bruce Weber has done there in the big picture has been a little bit um, – 
a little less unheralded than maybe than maybe is deserving. He's gone to the NCAA tournament for the past six seasons. This will be five and seven because I don't see how Kansas State will not get there. But yes, you are correct. The flip on this has been significant, and now it gets two home games upcoming: TCU and Texas Tech. Just split those. Winning both would really, really change the outlook on K State overall. But I don't expect it to win both of them, uh, frankly. You know, but they're fun and. <laughs> I mean, Xavier Seed's a good player, but Barry Brown. See, I would I would list Barry Brown, who's their senior kind of pogo stick shooting guard. I would list him among, you know, top 20 most watchable players in all of college basketball. K-State's got better pieces just because they're not the flashiest team and you're you're not used to uh, making them appointment television. Doesn't mean that they're not a, a good team. They are quality. And where do they fall right now for you in your rankings, GP? They're not. Uh, I mean, they're under consideration. They're they're right there. They'd be in the top 30, 35, something like that. Um, but, you know, right now, and I get people asking this all the time, why don't you have Kansas State ranked? Why don't you have – I can't remember who the other team is. Iowa State. Why don't you have Iowa State ranked? Because right now there's about 10 teams that could reasonably be 26 in the top 25 and 1. Kansas State's one of them. Iowa State's one of them. The team that I have there, Iowa, is one of them. And it really just comes down to when people ask the question, why don't you have this team ranked? Because they stop at 26 instead of 28. It's just where we draw the line, like between ranked and unranked. If I, if I rank 28, Iowa State might be 27. Kansas State might be 28. You know, it's so like those teams are good. No different than the teams I have, really. 24, 25, 26. It's just that you draw the line somewhere, and, and that's where I drew the line. Um I don't know how fun Kansas State is, but I just think it's a fascinating story, not only because they flipped the season, but because Bruce Weber, as you mentioned, doesn't get probably credit around the nation. I know Kansas State fans right now are probably wanting to punch us in our throat because I don't think he's the most popular coach in history among his own fan base, but he's done big picture, um, a a, a fine job there, and um, it was on the verge of like really getting bad. I mean, when you're 0-2 and down 18 at home to West Virginia, Mm -hmm. or anybody, you're supposed to go to 0-3. And then you've got road games against NCAA tournament teams coming up, two of them. So you're supposed to go to 0-5. The reason I I know all this stuff is because we were sitting in studio and we were talking about it. Oh, my God, KSU is about to go to 0-3. Have you seen what's next for them? They might be 0-5 in the Big 12 after being top 15 in the preseason AP poll. But they erase that deficit, beat West Virginia, then go on the road and to win two road games. I, I just think it's a pretty, not only um, season flip, but maybe like career extender for Bruce Weber. Potentially, but I want to see what the rest of the season plays out as. And I don't like, let me rephrase that. I don't, it would take an, up, an utter collapse, I think, for uh, for it to really, because Bruce, I believe, got a, extension this past offseason sure yeah I don't think he would get fired but you know what I mean yeah it, yeah, it yeah. could like it get real bad and now it's not so bad at all sure absolutely um on the big 12 note real quick here I mean that's Kansas State is an interesting story as it begins to uh to develop and you mentioned I just I did want to uh, shed just a quick light on what Iowa State was able to do I don't perish I don't think I don't think Texas Tech will lose again at home this season. And I say that believing, one, <laughs> that Kansas is going to win the league. Things are breaking Kansas's way. Um, but I think KU would take a loss there. And Iowa State now has the home win. It, it's had a weird stretch. We talk about like how K-State flipped. Iowa State has sandwiched uh, two weird losses with uh, one of the best 
pair of wins any team that could boast in college basketball at this point in the season. Um, wins at home against Kansas in very convincing fashion. Just wins at uh, at Texas Tech and did it by the way with a late push against T- by TTU. Um, impressively done because Iowa State, which has a fairly a fairly good offense in my opinion and loads of talent. Arguably the most talent in the league now with uh, with Kansas's issues. We still don't know with DeSousa if and when he's going to get cleared in the Noah Zabuki, of course. Um, but in between that, they lose at Baylor, which is. It's not a horrendous loss, but you know Baylor could be ninth or tenth in the league, and you won't, you don't want to try and take that kind of L when you're Iowa State and you're trying to build momentum. And then yes, drops the game at home by one to Kansas State, but Iowa State rebounds well, and now the Big Twelve, everyone's taken a loss, and it's uh, obviously Tech and Kansas atop the league. And then the two lost teams as of right now, K State as you mentioned. TCU and Baylor. Everyone else has at least three losses. Big 12 is going to get really wacky, really weird in a hurry. Last thing on on Big 12, TCU. I had this in the court report on Wednesday. Um, at that point, it was not optimistic it was getting Jalen Fisher back anytime soon and might not even have him for the rest of the season because of complications from his knee surgery. He's now done. Not even just done for the foreseeable future. He's not returning to TCU this season. He's not returning to TCU, period. He will seek transfer. I think that's, I think that's critical because... I think Fisher was their most important all-around player. Now, Desmond Bain is the leading scorer, and he's done he's done a great job. I think J.D. Miller is coming on and, and is, uh, has done well in his senior season. But not to have Fisher, I just – we talk about what K-State's going to be going forward here, Parrish. TCU, another team that doesn't get a lot of run on the pub, although we've given Jamie Dixon his fair share of, uh, of good chatter here. Be curious to see what they are going forward. I still think they'll crack through. But I now think that they're the most likely team in the Big 12 that projects as an NCAA tournament team to be on the bubble on the fence when we get to Selection Sunday. With TCU and Jalen Fisher, that's my little homie from Memphis. Um, By shutting it down now, it it appears he'll be able to get a medical redshirt and preserve a year of eligibility. So we'll see where he ends up. But he's a... He's a very good college basketball player when healthy. The problem, of course, is that he's uh, he's rarely healthy. One thing on Iowa State before we move on, you mentioned how they've got a pair of great wins. You know who their resume looks a lot like? Kentucky's. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Kentucky's. Iowa State's got these two massive wins, but they're 4-4 four and four against the top 100 at Ken Palm. Kentucky, similarly, uh, got these two massive wins, right? They've beaten North Carolina. They've beaten Louisville. You know what they are against the top 100, Kentucky? Four and four? Three and three. Yeah. Three and three against the top 100 at Kimpom. Iowa State, four and four against the top 100 at Kimpom. Both of them got two big wins, but um, the quantity um, doesn't doesn't quite match up with the quality. We'll get uh, to Kentucky a little later on in this because they've got a big game this weekend. So I'm in Durham, uh, North Carolina, for Saturday's showdown between Virginia and Duke. We're going to dive into that momentarily. But first, check this out. Hey, y'all, Chip Patterson here from the Cover 3 podcast on CBS Sports. While spring practice might be off, Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli, and I are full go with springtime team previews on the Cover 3 podcast. We're talking depth charts, position battles, and the storylines that will become key talking points when the season finally does arrive. We'll break down each and every Power 5 conference by division 
plus the group of five schools that hope to crash the playoff picture in 2020. In addition to the springtime team previews, we're continuing off-season staples like the Mailbag, Cover 3 Book Club, and conversations with guests from around the college football world. Episodes are coming twice a week, so download and subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, it's Frank Stanfield from Fantasy Baseball Today. Don't worry, Adam Azer isn't going anywhere, and neither is FBT. The MLB season is delayed, but that just gives us more time to deep dive players, argue about rankings, and find this year's Cattell Marte. Regardless of what format you play in, Roto, Points, Keeper, Auction, Dynasty, we've got you covered. We're here for you five days a week, so make sure to download and subscribe to Fantasy Baseball Today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So Virginia Duke is scheduled for 6 p.m. Eastern on Saturday at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Virginia is number one in the coaches poll. Duke is number one in the AP poll. So this is a rare number one versus number one matchup. It'll be Duke's first full game since Trey Jones suffered a shoulder injury and that loss to Syracuse. And it'll be Virginia's first game since it just kicked the crap out of Virginia Tech by 22 points. They shot 58% from the field in this game, 54% from three, 100% from the free throw line, improved to 16-0. Um, so they like not only is Virginia undefeated, they're they're really operating at a at a high level right now. As you might have heard, Trey Jones, as of this moment, has not been ruled out of Saturday's game. It turns out the injury is not as severe as it looked Monday night. I was told Trey uh, didn't practice Thursday, but he was on the court doing some basketball things. Um, uh, I, I was also told he's unlikely to play against Virginia, but nobody ruled it out that he's just definitely not playing against Virginia. Uh, either way, he is expected to play again soon. So that's good news for Duke Norlander. Um, let's just get your thoughts on the Trey Jones update and Duke Virginia in general. Well, my thoughts on the Trey Jones update uh, is that you are a quack because on the previous podcast, your diagnosis as a doctor was that he was going to miss definitively at least the next four or five games. Could, that's could not, not the case worse. anymore. So can, I, I mean, I got to take you to task here. This is so. <laughs> should I lose? Should I lose my medical license? <laughs> If he is playing, if he is playing again within a week, yeah, I'm I'm afraid that's. Listen, this podcast. I feel a little bit like Doctor Death. Yeah. Have you listened to Doctor Death? I, I haven't. But the the credibility of this podcast is what helps it thrive. And when you're hand when you're out here with conviction, handing out these diagnoses, and then mm. you're coming back 48 hours later saying, you know what, like they're not ruling them out. No, you said, you I said know. it, Doctor. I know. I know. I should be, should. Should I, do I have to turn in my steth- my stethoscope? No, I think you still need to wear that stethoscope. I'm going to wear my stethoscope no matter what. <laughs> you better right? be wearing that steth. I better see you on the sideline <laughs> in Cameron Indoor rocking a legit stethoscope, okay? I got to do CBS Sports HQ hit here a little later on today. I, should I do it with a stethoscope? You know what? Why not? Casually, just have it drape, you know? Just <laughs> yeah, don't it. mention it. Don't reference it. Just right. wear it. Only the, po- only the podcast listeners will get it. And by the way, yes, Parrish is in Durham. I'm going to get to the Trey Jones stuff real quick here. But Parrish is in Durham. Obviously going to be writing and covering that game for CBS Sports HQ. I will be in studio for HQ this weekend. So please, as you're watching the games – on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer. It is a genuinely really good, informative, second-screen experience. 
encourage you to check in throughout the day. We'll be giving you updates, highlights, analysis. GP will be coming from Durham, so keep an eye on that. As for Duke and you and Virginia and this game overall, uh, we'll have our, we have our picks and our predictions up on CBSSports.com as of Friday afternoon. Be sure to go check that out. But we'll we'll probably spoil our picks for this specific game here amid the other ones we have on the site. I don't think Trey Jones will play, not just because it's obvious, but I also just don't think it's worth it because given uh, the immediate reaction, and I know you said he was doing basketball things. I don't believe you want to put him in that situation against that team. When you've you got to play Virginia again, you've got a long, rigorous ACC schedule. And really, uh, Krzyzewski and that staff just seem too smart to put him in a position where even if he's at 95%, hell, call it 99%, and something weird happens like he just catches an elbow from DeAndre Hunter, then then what are you doing? Um, so I don't expect him to be on the floor. And absent of that, how Duke is going to run its offense is going to be really curious to me. I don't think we're going to have a James Harden-like R.J. Barrett going for 49 points on zero assists and having it all go through him. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. Um, the biggest subplot to me in this game is that Duke is coming off one of the worst three-point shooting performances ever under Mike Krzyzewski against Syracuse in that zone. Now it goes up against a Virginia team that defends the three, obviously, extremely well. This is also tracking to be the worst three-point shooting team for Duke in at least two decades. Can it rebound from such a bad performance beyond the arc and shoot well from deep because if it doesn't does it have the ability to win inside I'm not convinced it does and then the other obvious one is Zion Williamson and what he is and all he can do and all he represents going up against what will be the most interesting and toughest defensive assignment he has faced yet um, they still have a lot of talent I am going to take Duke to win this game close I really really hope that it lives up to the hype but this is a fantastic one and only the fourth time ever only the fourth time ever. Trivia time. Trivia time. Okay. I think you, I think you know this, though, because it's kind of been out there, but maybe you don't. So it's the fourth time ever we've had the – it's a battle of number ones because Virginia's won in the coaches' poll. Duke has won in the AP poll. Can you name any of the previous three times that one played one? I think I can. I haven't seen it anywhere. I just I, – I, anybody who listens to this podcast knows I don't remember much, but I, I, it, but I do remember this. I feel like – we had Kansas, Oklahoma, not too long ago. Buddy Hield, right? That is right. One four sixteen. Uh, Kansas beats Oklahoma in an absolute epic one hundred nine one hundred six. That is the most recent instance. I do not remember the other two. Okay, the other the, the other one. If you had asked me before I found this out, I would have gotten one of the teams right, but I couldn't have told you the other team. And I remembered it happening because I remember it being a kind of big deal. It was in two thousand seven. Oh, it's funny. The the 2016 game, 109-106, the previous one, Ohio State 49, Wisconsin 48. Incredible. Right. No cheating. No cheating. Can you tell me one player on each of those Wisconsin and Ohio State teams from that season? Yes. Uh, okay. Um, Ohio State would have had Mike Conley, Greg Oden, right? You're, you're correct. So that's that's kind of an easy giveaway. Okay. But uh, okay. What's what about the what what's about what's Wisconsin? my dude's name at Wisconsin? Who was the All American like Player of the Year kid? Starts with an A. His name starts with an A. Uh, you're correct. You can't. But can you name him? Oh my God! What's his name? How can I not remember his name? Starts with an A. It does start with an A. Ah, uh, podcast listeners just saying it aloud on the treadmill in their cars, washing dishes. Alondo Tucker. Tucker, Alondo Tucker, yes. Alondo, Alondo Tucker. Tucker was on that team. Marcus Landry. He was awesome. I love Alondo Tucker. Very good player. Very good player. Joe Kravenhoff was on that Wisconsin team. So that was the other instance. And then prior to that, uh, the only other time this happened, you wouldn't get this, was 1960. No, I knew this one. Oh, why? I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, I was like, no shot. Um, 
I guess it would have been in the tournament technically. Cal 77, Cincinnati 69. Um, so those are the three previous times. So this is a cool thing. Number one versus number one. We've had many more instances of, obviously, of number one versus number two in the AP poll or coaches poll, but we get a rarity here. GP, what are your expectations and thoughts on this one? Well, I'm glad you brought up the three-point shooting because I thought there was an interesting quote from Tyus Battle, uh, Syracuse's uh, Tyus Battle, after Monday's uh, game. He said the following, quote, we were just letting them shoot the three, just backing up and trying to limit Zion's touches as much as possible. So this wasn't just something that happened in that Duke-Syracuse game. This is something that Syracuse made happen in that Duke-Syracuse game. Duke was 9 of 43 from three, 20.9%. And on the season now, Duke is shooting 31.8% from three. That ranks 267th nationally. Statistically speaking, there is nothing Duke does worse than shoot three-pointers. And you mentioned guarding the three-point line. Not just really good, like literally the best in the country. Teams are shooting 25.1% from three against Virginia. It ranks first nationally. So this is a real problem. It's something Syracuse recognized, and you don't have to be like Brad Stevens to recognize it. You just have to like have a Ken Palm subscription. Um, and Syracuse invited Duke. Duke didn't just shoot 43 three-pointers by accident. Syracuse dared them to do it, and it did not go well. And now, like just a few days later, you got to play the team that's literally the best at guarding the three-point line. Um, that's not a good combo, is it? It's not, but let's do an over-under here. So let's split that, okay, between Duke's average and Virginia's average. Over-under, Duke making 28.5% of its three-point attempts on Saturday against Virginia. I'll take the over. So will I. But I don't, I don't feel great about it, but I'll take the over. Well, I, I don't, I'm not asking you how you got to feel how about, about it. I'm how about this? To make a I'll take the over yeah. because I think Duke's going to win the game just like you think Duke's going to win the game. And you can't. I don't think you can win the game shooting below that. Uh, it would be a tough ask. It really would. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of on that similar wavelength with UGP. Uh, I think it will play better and shoot better from deep. I mean, Jack White went 0 of 10, and it almost looked like they were just trying to shoot themselves out of a funk. And what was weird against Syracuse, it was such a, it was a tight game. They wound up not being able to afford it, even though it got to overtime. The final numbers on that, by the way, were 9 of 43 from three-point range for Duke against Syracuse. Just uh, that that is so low. That's only what twenty one percent. I don't think it will be that bad, but but we'll see. And my last thought in this game, and obviously on the Sunday podcast, we're gonna spend some time talking about it, no matter how it goes. If if Virginia wins this game, like convincingly, if it winds up seventy three to sixty one. It'll be intriguing to see how everyone reacts, responds more to Virginia than maybe Duke, even though Duke is almost always a story regardless of result. But in this instance, the game being on Duke's floor, if Virginia was to do that and remained undefeated, and if Michigan lost its game, Michigan plays, hello, at Wisconsin, we just mentioned. If Virginia's the last undefeated standing, which was my prediction when we made those predictions like a month ago or whatever on the pod, um, I'll be pretty... I'll be pretty intrigued by how we'll we'll view the Cavaliers because I still think people are going to wait until March to to make their judgments on this team. But whatever they've been they've been dominant overall, and um, and I think they've got the capability to do it. But I don't expect I don't expect them to do it. But it would be a, a hell of a statement if they wound up walking out of Cameron Indoor as double digit victors. Um, they um not only are capable they're 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 you know like. I don't know what the point spread will be. I imagine it'll be 
like Duke by a point or two, but it's going to be right around there. So it's not even we're not asking them to do something um, that's outrageous. Um, if they win at Cameron Indoor this weekend, especially if Trey Jones doesn't play, mm-hmm. it won't even be in the top ten uh, upsets uh, of the weekend in, in college basketball. And again, they're just coming off an out incredible game against Virginia Tech: fifty-eight percent from the field, fifty-four percent from three, a hundred percent from the free throw line, while holding Virginia Tech below. Uh, 60 points. If Virginia plays anywhere close to the way that it played against Virginia Tech, I do think that they'll win the game. But I, I'm just going to rely on this. And, and perhaps this is just oversimplifying. But I'm going to take the team that still, even without Trey Jones, has three projected top five picks in its starting lineup playing at home. Like, how do you, how do you intelligently pick against a team that's got three top five picks playing at home? Like I'm just going to take that team, right? Yeah, uh, Virginia's 47 and three in its last 50 games, which is just absurd. How do you pick against that team? Let, me, re- let, me, let me rephrase. Yeah, how do you pick against a, a team that's won 12 straight <laughs> games in uh, in the ACC on the road? On the road, 12 straight road victories for Virginia. So you can you can place it either way. It's this is this is a this is a real treat here. This is a, this is a special special game on Saturday, and we've got some other intriguing ones that we're going to touch on real quick here in a minute. But uh, but you know, th- you don't get this kind of matchup all that often because with every, it's not just Virginia and Duke and undefeated team playing at Duke and all that. It's what Duke has this season. It's the subplot of not having Trey Jones most likely, and then Virginia coming off the first ever sixteen over a one, and now still being undefeated, only one two of two teams left, and. In route to getting the sixteen and zero, it's not winning games fifty-five to fifty. It's it's putting up eighty-one points on a Virginia Tech team that was allowing uh, one of the. It was top five in points allowed defense, and it just it didn't matter whatsoever. So um, I really hope we get a nice one. Yeah, my official prediction: I'll take Duke in a close one. But to underline the point we just made, I don't know how you pick against a a team that's got three top five picks playing at home. I also don't know how you pick against a team that's playing the way Virginia is playing. Like it really either team that you pick against. And if the, if the result is opposite of what you suggested, you'll go, well, Jesus, how could I pick it? Why, why would I have picked against that team? Um, they had three top five picks playing at home or uh, what they, they've literally never lost this season. Why would I think they were going to lose now? So it's a, just a tremendous matchup. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I do want to spend uh, just a moment on it. Scotty Pippen made headlines this week. Uh, when he said that Zion Williamson should just shut it down. Said he secured his place atop the draft. Only bad things can happen if he keeps playing. So why keep playing? You and I haven't talked about this at all, so I want to hear your reaction to that, and then I'll give you mine. Um, it's not a it's not a bad opinion. I, he's, I understand where Pippen is coming from with this. It's not going to happen. Let's make that clear. And if it did... Well, if it did, it'd be the biggest story in sports. Let's be let's be real. <laughs> short of short of what the Super Bowl is bringing forthcoming, uh, Zion Williamson quitting playing for Duke would be the biggest story in sports if he did it midseason. It's not going to happen. Um, but there's th- what he is saying uh, has validity, and it it is the next step. I don't I don't expect we'll get to this being a regularity. If you told me it, we 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 saw it happen twice in the next decade, I would believe you. Um, and that is players sitting out for bowls that don't matter in college football and, and players opting to maybe try and take the G League route if they think that they've got a shot at getting into the NBA and they want to make a little coin right away, capitalize off of their marketing. And we've already talked about all that stuff and how some of that's overblown. But the idea of, 
uh, of a first-round talent stepping away from his team in the middle of the season to preserve his NBA draft stock and not chance getting injured. I can see that being a rarity, but happening. I don't see it happening here. And also, the chance for injury in basketball, obviously Trey Jones just got hurt, but again, again, he's expected to return soon, is not at the same kind of risk as in football, where it is a much more violent game. And in particular for Zion Williamson, who looks as indestructible of a college player, not to say that he is infallible, he's not, but he looks as indestructible as a college player as, frankly, we've ever seen. So this makes for... Easy fodder, a, a, a lot of talking points. I'm going to assume that Pippen believes it. Obviously, it came on ESPN, which generates so much Zion Williamson content. It kind of keeps that wheel going and greases it to a heavy degree. Um, I, I, it's not going to happen. I, if, if Williamson decided to do it, I wouldn't necessarily hugely ob- object to it because it's his prerogative, and then he's got to deal with, uh, with any of the fallout. What are your take? Well, first, I just think it's funny that ESPN brings a Hall of Famer on ESPN, and then he tries to say that um, the ratings bonanza that is Zion Williamson for ESPN uh, should shut it down. I mean, like the ESPN executives can't be happy about that, although it did produce content and debate, so uh, perhaps they are. Um, here's what I would say. If Zion wanted to do it, I I would not write the column saying, what is this young man doing? Because I don't think he should be in college. Uh, my fundamental belief in all this is that these guys, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, um, Michael Porter Jr., any of the obvious one-and-done talents that we see come through college basketball, I love that they play college basketball. Um, it, it makes the sport more interesting. It's better for me personally. It's better for you personally. I don't know that it's better for them personally. And so I'm let the record show, I'm always – like if, if you put it to vote tomorrow – can we just let high school players go straight into the NBA draft if they want to? I will vote yes every time. I've never been in a place in, in my adult life where I would have voted no. That said, um, I actually don't think Zion, quote, should shut it down right now. Because to insist that he should is to imply, to insist that he should because he's secured a certain draft status is to imply that he should only care about his draft status. And I haven't talked to Zion about this, but I imagine what Zion would tell you, or his stepfather holding a baby would tell you, <laughs> is that that's just not true. That there are other things that matter. That's why they're in college to begin with. And I bet if you talk to Zion 30 years from now, when he's 50 and 375 pounds, um, oh, okay. he would tell you that he's going to look back on that one year he spent the Duke as one of his favorite years in his life. Because when you talk to professional basketball players, if they went to a college where they had a good experience, and obviously being ranked number one in the country, being on Sports Center every night, playing with other great players, playing in a game like they're going to play on Saturday, those are good memories. Um, they tell you that, you know, man, that was the most fun I've ever had. And so I, I think sometimes people make the mistake of assuming that these elite prospects only care about being prospects. Some of them do, but I think most of them like really enjoy being a player. And I think Zion, for that reason, is not going to shut it down, nor should he. Because, yeah, there's always a risk of injury, but the risk in basketball is, is much, as you point out, lower than it is in football. Um, although we have had lottery picks each of the past two years suffer um, you know, season-ending injuries. I acknowledge that. But... 
I, I just don't think we're going to get to a place where basketball players are starting a season with a team, you know, securing a place in the draft and then going, okay, that's it. Like, like should John Morant just shut it down right now? I know those dudes at Eastern Illinois wish he would because uh, he dumped all over him on Thursday night. He's, but he's insane. I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to shut it down just because he's now a, an, an undeniable top 10 pick. I agree. He, he probably loves what he's doing right now, averaging big points, big assists with his friends on his way to maybe going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And so uh, you, you mentioned that football players do this all the time when it gets to the bowl game. Correct. But not to the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't see Alabama's players shutting it down, or our Clemson's players shutting it down. You see, you know, uh, you know Memphis's running back shutting it down, saying, "All right, that's it. I'm not. I don't care about playing in the Birmingham Bowl. What's the point? That you weigh the pros and cons, and the the pros don't outweigh the cons. So you just shut it down." Um, so I, I, any projected lottery pick who's playing for a good team and doing good things. I don't think those guys are going to shut it down, nor should shut it down. I think Scotty was being a little myopic here. Um, yeah, Zion Williamson has secured his place, probably atop the draft. But there's other things that are important to Zion, and to walk away from it now would be um, would, would run counter to those things. I think. I yeah, I I agree with most of that, and it's also you know he loves he loves playing with those guys for that coach you, you know it's inside the locker room it's a different situation altogether um all right gp we've got i want to know what games you want to get to i know kentucky auburn you got michigan wisconsin tcu kansas yeah, state what else yeah I, um well i think there's two big games outside of the ones we've already talked about this week at least two games that resonate with the the audience we're we're hopefully talking to right now um the only other game between two teams ranked in the a people that's scheduled for this weekend is kentucky at Auburn. It is number 12 Kentucky at number 14 Auburn. Tip is scheduled for 4 p.m. Eastern. The Wildcats get a road win or are you taking Bruce Pearl? Well, you mentioned Kentucky being 3-3 three and three against the top 100. Uh, it's almost the inverse of the Duke-Virginia conundrum because, you know, Kentucky has been up and down. How could you pick them? Well, Auburn, you make the easy case that the three uh, toughest games is played. Duke at NC State at Ole Miss has lost all three. Now, Auburn gets the benefit of having this game on its home floor, but um, neither of these teams have passed all the tests as they've played their best opponents so far this season. I'm going to take Auburn in this one, um, not just because of the home floor. I don't know what the line – I'm going to guess the line is three Tigers, uh, minus three for Auburn. Um, It's got the guards, Bryce Brown – Fun dude to watch play basketball. Uh, Jared Harper has been good, and Austin Wiley has been uh, has been pretty solid on the whole overall. So I like what they've got to compete with Kentucky's roster. Um, I want to see if Ashton Hagens can have a, I believe, seventh straight game with at least three steals. That's already a program record. Um, Auburn isn't the best ball handling team in America, so I think Hagens actually has a decent shot at that. But this is, yeah, this is a, this should be a fun one, should be a good one. And it, to me, it's the second most interesting game of the day. It's a 4 p.m. tip, so you'll actually catch this as the lead-in to the UVA-Duke game. I'll take the Tigers. What about you? I think that's the most compelling thing about this game is that it's two teams that are undeniably good, but both of whom have really questionable resumes. Like you mentioned, Auburn is 0-3 against the three best teams that it's played. And Kentucky is three and three against the top 100. Like Kentucky fans are, are hitting me on Twitter every day, 
Like, why do you have Kentucky ranked where you have Kentucky ranked? Like, I think I got them like 19th or 20th or something. Um, you know, now now I'm an idiot who doesn't watch basketball, um, which may be true. You know, by the way, I, I'm busy. But like, same people, same people who thought I was smart for ranking Kentucky number one in the preseason, are now calling me an idiot for having Kentucky, you know, outside of the top 15. Which, as long as we're being honest, having Kentucky number one in the preseason was much more idiotic <laughs> than having <laughs> than having Kentucky wherever I have Kentucky right now. So they're just being fans, bless bless their hearts. But um, you know, the, the the I never see Kentucky fans be so proud of a team that's three and three against the top one hundred. Like usually, they're proud of a team that's like you know got one loss and ranked in the top three. But they they the Kentucky fans super proud of this team that's three and three and three against the top one hundred at Ken Palm. Um, Auburn, uh, 0-3 against the best teams that has played. So, um, both these teams, I think, need a law, need a win, not to do anything other than prevent people from asking big questions about them. Because think about what a loss does. A loss drops Auburn to 0-4 against the four best teams that has played, and a loss drops Kentucky to 3-4 and against the top 100 at Kimpom. So, um, big game, important game for both, uh, for both teams. I, I think Auburn wins only because Auburn's at home. Um, if you played this at Rupp, I'd take Kentucky. If you played it on a neutral court, I'd flip a coin. Um, but I'll take Auburn uh, at home to win this game, improve to fourteen and three, and and have really its its first big win of the season. If you want something more specific, its first top forty Ken Palm win of the season. And then the other game that is interesting is Michigan at Wisconsin because um, both of the teams that are undefeated in the country uh, undefeated right now. Uh, the only two in the country are on the road against quality opponents this season uh, uh, against quality opponents right now. Um, it, it's Virginia at Duke and Michigan at Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin tips at noon Eastern Michigan, 17 and 0. Uh, but Wisconsin is just, even if the computers still like them, they're just 11 and six. They've lost four of their past five lost to Minnesota at home, Purdue at home. Uh, the Cole center is, is typically a, a tough place to play. Not so much lately, um, I know a few podcasts ago, we mentioned this earlier, uh, you thought Michigan might get caught here. You sticking with that, or uh, have you lost faith in uh, Wisconsin? I'm going to stick with it. I think this is the exact type of game that Wisconsin wins. Um, I think it'll be within six points almost the entire game. I think it'll be four points max with a minute to go. I will take Wisconsin to win this, and there's not a lot indicating that it should dropping four of the past five. It's only win over bad Penn State. Um, and what it did out of conference, there's not a ton there. A nice win over Oklahoma, but not much else. And that being said, um, I'm still I'm still going to take them. Uh, Ethan Happ, uh, Brad Davidson, pretty good, reliable shooter. Dimitri Trice, uh, un- underrated and maybe needs to have a big game in this one to have a shot against Michigan. So I will, I will take the Badgers there, but I get the sense that you will not. I'm trying to think of what I picked for our expert picks. I think I picked Wisconsin, but I, mean, I can't remember. Like, so if I'm like contradicting myself, ago, just understand it's because I have no idea what I did 12, 12 hours ago, <laughs> right? Okay. But I, um, I, this reminds me a little bit of, I don't know if you watched it the other night, but UCF at Wichita State. Mm-hmm. Like UCF is rolling, mm-hmm. you know, borderline top 25 team, you know, the first place in the American Athletic Conference, Wichita State winless in the league not good you know uh right around 500 but at some point you just go 
All right, that's that's Coke Arena, that's Greg Marshall, that's Wichita State. They're just not going to lose another home game, and they end up winning the the home game. Now, I'll, I'll be honest, I picked UCF to win that game, so I'm just wrong about everything. But yeah. this feels like that. Like even though Wisconsin isn't playing well and hasn't been good, um, it's still Wisconsin and the Colts. Once upon a time, and maybe this is Bo Ryan time and not necessarily Greg Gard time, but once upon a time, you just did not pick against. Wisconsin at home and so uh, I'll take Wisconsin at, at home plus it's just easier for the top 25 and one if Virginia loses at Duke and, and Michigan course. loses at Wisconsin because I've got Tennessee number one right now and I hear about it every day although I don't know what you guys are talking about because like Tennessee beats the crap out of everybody <laughs> like do you know that when Tennessee beat Arkansas the other night it became just the third power conference team in the past twenty years to start a a, a league um, a league schedule four and with with wins total uh, by a combined a hundred points or more. I did not know only, that. Only two teams in the past twenty years in a power conference have done that, and Tennessee became the third. So, like when I moved Tennessee to number one, it was nobody argued because they they had they had the best resume or at least. Uh, something close to the best resume at the time. And literally since that moment, all they've done is beat the crap out of everybody. So I don't know why people are thinking it's so absurd. Some people, it's really just Michigan and Virginia fans, think it's so absurd that Tennessee is number one. But it gets really complicated if Virginia's, come, if Virginia's undefeated coming off wins over Virginia Tech Duke and Michigan's undefeated coming off a win at the Kohl Center. So it is best for the top 25-1 and one for Michigan to lose, Virginia to lose. Um, so in the in purely rooted in selfishness. I'll take uh, I'll take Wisconsin to give Michigan its first loss of the season, but uh, but we'll see. Jeez. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And if you haven't done it already, please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars. Nice comments. That's all I've ever asked from you. It's all I ever remember asking from you and it only takes a couple of seconds so if you've done it already thank you sincerely it, it really does help if you haven't done it please just pop over there and do it and uh, i'll be i'll be very proud of you and then we'll talk to you again uh, on sunday night till then take care